Hello, Paul. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to a very, very special edition of the Empire Podcast. This one is dedicated to an interview I did with Greg Nicotero, who is not just an effects legend, not just a god of makeup. He started his career with George A. Romero's Day of the Dead back in 1985, but he has also become such an important part of The Walking Dead, which recently finished its fifth season in glorious, blood-spattered fashion uh, here in the UK. Uh, he came into London uh, this week to talk about his career in general, working with directors like Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Frank Darabont, people like that, but also how his job has changed in The Walking Dead and how that show has changed his life. I will say, straight up, that there are plenty of spoilers for season five. In fact, for the entire five seasons of The Walking Dead, um, Greg drops in very casually major deaths <laughs> along the way during this interview. So if you're not up to speed with The Walking Dead, if you haven't seen right up until the end of season five, it might be best to skip this and come back to it uh, when you have. Uh, but if you have, do enjoy. He's awesome. Delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast by Greg Nicotero. Uh, how do I describe you these days, Greg? I don't... Uh, lack of sleep, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. A man suffering from acute lack of sleep. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Which has been, I imagine, the way it's been all the way through your career. Hasn't it? A lack of sleep? Yeah, I think so. I think I've I've mastered it, especially in the last five years. You know, uh -huh. I mean Walking Dead has uh has certainly changed me as a as an artist and as a human being mm -hmm. uh, in definitely a great way. I mean I, I I consider myself lucky to have the greatest job in the world. It's not so, a bad job. No, it's a great job. And it's evolved as well, the through your your tenure on The Walking Dead. Yes. Uh, so you started off as a special effects supervisor, I guess. Is what, how would you describe it? I was makeup yeah. effects yeah. supervisor. And actually, after the first season, Gail Ann Hurt had called and said, listen, you know, we've noticed that you're more than just a special effects artist. You've really helped us define the rules of the show. You know, when we did the first season, Frank Darabont directed the pilot. Mm -hmm. And then he went back to Los Angeles and he rewrote um, and worked on a lot of the scripts. And I was sort of on the ground in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so I had to indoctrinate all of the incoming directors who didn't know what the rules of our world were. Sure. So between that and directing second unit and my involvement, Gail had called and said, listen, you know, we want to offer you a consulting producer credit mm -hmm. uh, after season one. And then season two went from that to co-executive producer and then directing. And then season three was full executive producer and up to this point I've directed 11 episodes and um, yeah it's been it's been insane you know most of the stuff I did before this was movies yeah you do a movie you show up on you know you prep for three months you show up you shoot for three months and then it's gone and everybody goes their own separate ways so it's a whole other world um you know, spending year after year with people, you know, you, you become uh, enamored with them, you fall in love with these people and you want to, you know, makes you want to work harder for them. And mm -hmm. I think the thing on The Walking Dead now is, is that we've all been in the trenches so hard together and so long that, that we would take a bullet for each other. So I think that that camaraderie and that dedication and devotion to the show starts with Scott Kimple and goes all the way through. Mm. And it really is, uh, it really is the greatest work environment that I've ever had. And um, the fact that I've been fortunate enough to have a very, a, a very 
uh, loud voice in the direction of the show, the look mm. of the show, the vision of the show, uh, it, it makes me proud. Yeah. That's what I mean in terms of uh, describing you because you are, you know, a makeup and effects legend. You know, it's been 30 years now you've been in, in, mm-hmm. the, uh, in the business. Day of the Dead, 30th anniversary this year. This year. Does that make you feel old? or? <laughs> uh, it do- you know, it doesn't because it feels like it was yesterday. That's yeah. the strangest thing about it is the things that you remember – um, through the course of your career, you know there's a there's a convention in in Los Angeles this weekend called Monster Palooza, and it's basically where every nerdy special effects makeup guy gets to go and and present their wares. Yeah, and they have a few celebrity uh, guests, and George is there. Oh wow! And the only sad part about this trip being to London is that I wanted to have dinner with George and say hi and hang out with him and uh, and visit because. As far as I'm concerned, he I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Yeah, and yeah. having that that fateful day in 1984 when George was like, "Hey, we just got a green light to do Day of the Dead. Do you want a job?" It was exactly that. That was the conversation. <laughs> um, I I had turned down a job on Creep Show as a production assistant at that time because I thought, "Ah, oh, I'm going to go off and be uh, a doctor," and I was pre med, and I didn't want it to affect my college. And I had gone to three years of college, and when Day of the Dead came up, I'm like, okay, this doesn't happen twice in anyone's <laughs> life. This happened once, and you had said no. So the second time, I was like, yeah, you know, my intent was do Day of the Dead, yeah. go back to school in in January, and finish up and be a doctor. I just thought this is something I gotta, I just gotta try it and just at least say that I did it. Mm. The same kind of. Ironically, it was the same kind of attitude I had with directing. I'd never really imagined that I was going to shift into directing. It was just something that I thought I wanted to experience once. So when Frank had said, okay, you're going to direct an episode in season two, he said, do you want a zombie heavy episode or a zombie light episode? I'm like, damn you, that's a trick question. (laughs) Uh, And I said, zombie light episode. He, He and I just talked about this about two weeks ago. He didn't remember... He didn't remember saying that, but I, but it was really an, an interesting moment for me because I figured, okay, so if it's an episode that has lots of zombies and gags and stuff, yeah. then I should be able to do that in my sleep. You're right. Yeah. But if it's an episode that has heart and emotion uh, and characterization in it, then that would be more challenging for me because that wasn't what I'd been doing for 24 years at the time. Yeah. So, of course, I get the episode where they're threatening to kill Randall and Dale has the tribunal where it's 12 angry men. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was terrified. Nobody knows this except for Andy Lincoln. I was so scared uh, that I had never done it before and that I was going to screw it up. I, I, I had blueprints of each of the sets and I drew a little camera placements and I had every, I, I did my homework so over the top that Mike Satrazimus, our DP just kind of smiled at me like, look how cute you are with your little homework <laughs> sheets. Um, I, but you know, I watched all these movies to sort of get me in the mood for it. And yeah. uh, it was just so much fun. And, and when it was over, I remember watching, I called the writer Angela Kang into the editing room and when we get to the end when Dale dies and all the people are around him, she was weeping hysterically. uh, This was just the the first cut. Yeah, yeah. And I was tearing up and and I thought, wow, this 
I think I, I don't think I screwed it up. I think I did okay. <laughs> so um, it's been a, it's been a, an amazing journey and Gimple keeps giving me these great episodes to direct and yeah. each one is dramatically different than the other one. You know, I mean, this season I had the premiere, which was, you know, the throat's getting mm -hmm. slit at the, at the trough and then Carol's uh, battle at Terminus and then the reunion. And then of course, episode nine was Tyrese. Mm-hmm. Um, which was our sort of tree of life version of The Walking Dead, uh, beautiful and, then, and elliptical and abstract. Yes, yes. And, yeah. we see the we see the, the the sunlight through the trees and it's heaven, and then we see the skeleton in the ground, and, <laughs> and then episode twelve, which was them getting to Alexandria and just the weird fish out of water kind of thing, and then of mm. course the finale. So yeah. Absolutely, it's not a bad little uh, little selection. No, do you I, get to I, pick and choose now, or um, you know I. Scott sort of is giving me the the choice ones, and I think he's a very smart guy because he will assign episodes to who he feels the director's talents are, and mm -hmm. I think he knows kicking us off and getting us out of the gate because I've directed the two season premieres for yeah. the last two years. I think there's a level of comfort for him and the actors. You know, one of the first things you you learn is. That you have, there has to be trust there, and I, I, I'm working on Hateful Eight right now, and I have to say I was sitting with Bruce Dern the other day, having a conversation, and he was talking about John Frankenheimer. He was talking about directors, mm -hmm. and between Bruce Dern and Kurt Russell, these two guys have the greatest freaking stories that you've <laughs> ever heard. So you're mesmerized, and and Bruce told this great story about a director sort of relaying to him what he expected from the actors. And he yeah. said, listen, my job is to create an environment where you can do the best acting that you can do. Uh -huh. I don't need to tell you how to act. You already know how to act. That's what you're here for. But I have to create an environment that allows you to be better. Uh -huh. And I was fascinated by, fuck, I love, I love that every day I'm on my job and I learn something new or I experience something new and to sit w and have Bruce tell that story. It was such a unique perspective um, that that's what a director does. A director's job is to create the best environment for people to flourish. Yeah. And I think that's what, what Scott does as well. Scott Gimple creates an environment where, where we all push ourselves to do the best hmm. and each season we pull it off you know it's it's same with special effects you know and we're at and b and, and a director will call and go listen all right you know i know last time you had a million dollars in 10 weeks now we have you know seven hundred thousand dollars in eight weeks and then the next time it'll be like we have three hundred thousand dollars in four <laughs> days and we keep doing it I, I don't know how the hell we do it but we keep pulling it off yeah so i think the longevity of k and b and and that idea of keeping our artistic integrity uncompromised is something that, that we bring to The Walking Dead. Is we just want to keep it, we don't make it, we, we just keep pushing it. Mm. And we keep screwing ourselves by making it harder. <laughs> but at the end of each season, the rewards are on screen and that's, you know, that's critical. Are you surprised in a way by how far you're able to push it? Uh, I, I, you know, I remember in season one, we talked about the amount of gore and the network basically said, listen, you can do whatever you want. Uh, the only thing you can't do is we can't see nudity. 
Yeah. So heaven forfend. We see you to no no new <laughs> no zombie wieners. Um, <laughs> even though even though I have to admit that when we make the corpses, mm-hmm. the corpses are anatomically correct. Okay. So I think Norman Reedus has taken more pictures of zombie penises than anybody I know, <laughs> which is quite possible. Um, but uh, yeah, because you know it's just the wackiness of our show. Yeah. But um, you know we've been given a pretty a pretty good free reign to do what we want to do. I think the human on zombie violence versus human on human, there is a different line that's drawn. Mm-hmm. So we're a little more responsible about the violence on humans. Mm-hmm. But still, the the world that we live in is brutal and feral. And, you know, you can't, you can't walk down the streets of Alexandria and think everything's okay without being brutally reminded that if you go on a run and something bad goes that you're going to get your face torn off. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, like Noah did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, quite brutal, <laughs> quite yes. brutal sense. But you need that. You need that contradiction because yeah. you have people saying, you know, we don't, we don't want to get weak. You know, mm. Carl says to Rick, listen, I, mm. I like this place. I love these people, but I don't want to get weak. Yeah. And it's a sentiment that they all share. So what do they do? They he keeps sneaking out, you know, and he feels more alive out there than he does inside. Same with Sasha. Everybody deals with Alexandria differently. So um, the fact that we need to remind the audience that these walkers are not just easily dispatched. You can't just shoot them in the head and run away. That there are they are a viable threat, and that's something that we we have to constantly remind the audience. Mm, absolutely. I, I imagine uh, it does it get easier or harder as the seasons go on when you say goodbye to people. It gets hard. It gets harder, and you know this season, this season with with Emily and Chad, it was it was sad. Um, I, the thing that I look at is the fact that I still hang out with Scott Wilson. Mm-hmm. I still drink scotch and smoke cigars with them and eat steak. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that relationship, the fact that we were able to create a friendship that has transcended um, the show mm. is amazing. You know, in, in January, we had an event. Gail was uh, Gail got a Producers Guild Award. Mm. And we, we all went out and it was, I was sitting next to Sarah Callies and Scott and Michael Rooker. And, the fact that that we all still hang out together and spend time together and love and respect each other makes it a little easier when you know someone's getting killed off the show. Yes, because you kind of go, uh, you know, truthfully, you're not really dead. So this is actually a good thing. Um, same with Bernthal. You know, I mean, with with all of them. I just saw Emma Bell not long ago, and she was the first. She was the first one to go. Yeah. Emma, we lost in season one. Yeah. And she's like, damn it, Nicotero, we're going to have dinner when you get back to L.A. So uh, it's pretty great. And uh, in terms of uh, KMB, so you're working on Hate for Late mm-hmm. at the, uh, right now. But do you delegate more these days? I do. You? I, I, you know, you have to. And I think for me as an artist, you know, it, it's about growing and it's about finding people whose vision I share. Yeah. There's a guy that I work with named Kerry Jones who's sort of my my general. Mm-hmm. Um, we wouldn't be able to 
do what I do because I can't be everywhere at once. Yeah. So I have to put my trust in my crew to execute the effects as I imagine them. So the first and foremost, it's important is trust and communication. You communicate what you want to your artists and they execute it. That's the way it happens on any show, even even on The Walking Dead. You know, I haven't been in the makeup trailer as much as I was in the first three seasons because yeah. now that I'm directing, I have to step out of the trailer and prep episodes and direct episodes. So I have to trust that my team can execute what I want. So I have to download everything to them. So the easier the download, the better. I mean, it feels like the Matrix and I had that little plug that I could just <laughs> plug into the back of their heads. It would be awesome. But I don't. unfortunately, we haven't invented that just yet. Yeah. Uh, so it really is about trust. And the, the team that I have in Georgia, it's Jake Garber and Kevin Wozner and Garrett Immel and Gino Crognali and Andy Schoenberg, I trust those guys implicitly. I've been mm. in the trenches on all these Tarantino movies, all these Rodriguez movies, so they know what I want. Mm. They know how I think. So the people in the shop, it's the same thing, you know. I mean, I download to them what I want and they execute that vision. So it's been challenging because I don't get the opportunity to go from set to set like I used to. Yeah, yeah. So I've missed out on some fun because it is fun to go to these different movies and mm. spend time on different movie sets. That's how I learned, you know. I mean, working on Inglorious Bastards and being in the trenches with Quentin and working on the Green Mile and and uh, Sin City and, you know, the, 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 the movies that I've worked on and the, the directors that I've worked with that I've absorbed from, uh, I love that. And, mm -hmm. I, and I, I miss that a little bit because I've been hanging on set for Hateful Eight with Quentin and I still learn every time I watch these directors, I'm learning. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and, I, and I do miss that, but I, don't, I just don't have the opportunity you know during the hiatus which is only four and a half months yeah you know i've been approached to direct a couple movies and i've been approached to do some things but by the time we wrap on walking dead and then i have to edit the finale and then supervise the visual effects in post by the time i'm done it's the end of january yeah and then the writer's room opens in february and mm -hmm. then we start prepping in april so it's sort of a full-time job for me right now. So do you see yourself continue with this? Because there's no end date for The Walking Dead as as of yet, like the comic book. It's uh, yeah, just, it's, I, listen, it's the greatest job I've ever had. Yeah. You know, the fact that I'm able to keep K&B involved because mm -hmm. you know my effects company handles the effects for this and for the spinoff. And so as long as Walking Dead goes, my company will be viable and... The fact that we get to work on other projects in between, you know, is that's amazingly rewarding for me. The only disappointing thing is like Rodriguez is doing From Dust Till Dawn right now, yeah. the TV show. Yeah. And he's like, come on, I want you to come down and direct a couple episodes in April. And I was like, I, I had to say, I hate saying no, especially to my friends. Yeah. That's why you do this. You get into the business so that you can work with your friends and work with people that you admire and that you love. And Robert's one of my best friends. So having to say no to him because I'm dealing with The Walking Dead, it's funny because he was like, oh, that's cool, man. You know, you got your own <laughs> deal now. Look at you. So it, it is kind of fun having my friends look at me slightly differently. Yeah. Like when we wrapped season two and I went right on to Django. And I sat with Quentin. He was like, so tell me what it was like to direct me. Was it cool? Was it great? 
he was so he was so excited to talk to me about my experience as a director. Mm. And it's funny because then Bob Richardson, who's his DP, yeah. who shoots all Scorsese's movies, and you know, Bob's like, I love your show. Damn, your show is so good. <laughs> uh, so I, it's kind of fun when I when I go to set and and people that I've worked with, sort of, um, just like I have done with my friends. You know, yeah. I I applaud their accomplishments and and respect everything that they've done and what they've brought to the table. I just never thought that it would be the other way around. I never, you don't think about it that so, way. So you, you know? never harbored ambitions all you know, all the while you were. I I did, but I was. I just always felt like I was just happy to be here. You know, I'm like, this is a great party. I'm happy to <laughs> hang out and look at all the hot chicks in the corner. And uh, um, you know, I did it last night at the Empire Awards. It was uh, <laughs> it was funny. I was just happy to be there, and you just don't. You know, you don't. I I don't know. I don't think about it. I'm I'm guess I'm kind of a humble guy that way. I'm just happy to be at the party. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, what happens is I have a 14 year old kid that'll come up and be like, "I want to do makeup effects. I love the work you do in The Walking Dead, and I want to do what you do." And I flash back and I go, "That was me. I was that. I was that 14 year old kid." Ah, Andy Lincoln. <laughs> help, help, help. <laughs> All right, that, they just recorded all those kisses on my face. <laughs> Bye. All right, see you tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, there the, you go. The kissing was probably really loud too. I'm sure it was. Yeah, it was. It was good though. It was good. Uh, nice so, cameo. So, to me, that's exciting. When I have kids that that want to do what I do, that's how I. That's how it happened for me. Yeah. I watched. You know, I watched Jaws and I watched Planet of the Apes and The Exorcist and Dawn of the Dead and all these movies. And I it, I didn't want to do it. I had to do it. And for me, it just sort of happened by luck. It was yeah. sheer luck. I didn't actually say, I'm moving to Hollywood and I'm going to be a makeup effects artist like a lot of my friends did. Because yeah, yeah. there were a lot of guys that were like, that's what I'm going to do. I just always thought, oh, it's kind of a hobby of mine and I always loved movies, but um, maybe because of the fact that my parents were like, well, you have the brains of the family and you're going to be the doctor. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to be a doctor. That, you know, <laughs> kind of happened that way. So I, I always look at this as kind of a series of happy accidents. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it. You know, I, I got an email from John Carpenter the other day, like, hey, I've been watching your episodes. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is me giving myself a high five. Um, so, so in terms of the directors you work with, then, uh, when you direct, do you consciously take anything that you have seen on set, whether it's Quentin or Frank or who, or whomever, and incorporate that into your own directing style, or, or you know, are you yourself? Um, you know, I I think I I think every filmmaker is an amalgam of his parts mm -hmm. in terms of what has inspired him. You know, it's interesting watching Quentin and how much Quentin loves his actors and respects his actors mm -hmm. and is really about rehearsing. Um, I definitely love to do that as much as possible. I love to keep the exchange between my actors fluid because they're not just cardboard cutouts that show up to work. Yeah, They have, you know, they have a really important say in the show. And it's it's interesting. There were a couple instances last season when um, I had to sort of step back and, and stop myself and go, you know what, these guys, 
have a lot to offer. In the finale, there was a there was a, a moment where um, Lauren Cohen had come to set, and I said, "Okay, so listen, this is what I'm thinking about," and I see this, and she said, "You know, she said I, we haven't rehearsed yet. Let's rehearse it, mm-hmm. and let me show you what I am thinking, and then we can fine tune it from there." And sure. I was like, yeah, it seemed like an obvious thing, but yeah. I think maybe we were a little running a little bit behind, or something had happened that moment that I was a little anxious, and I was like, "Okay, so let's do this, this, and this." And then I thought about it and I went, well, yeah, because actors are going to bring something to the table that I may not have thought of. And so for her to for her to be like, I have some ideas and I would love for you to see what I'm thinking. Yeah. Was like, yeah, of course. And so I sort of was like, Oops, sorry, you know, but that but that was that was great for me because it sort of made me realize that, again, as last season progressed, I felt like I I really bonded even more with the actors and I think because I directed so many episodes and mm. that I had instilled a lot of trust in them that uh, were on this journey you know together mm. do you do you uh, I, I imagine this this is a tough question but uh, over the years you forged such incredible relationships you know from George mm-hmm. starting off with George through you know, working with Quentin now uh, in a way is there one that you can value a slightly more important than the others I mean you look back at working with Frank Darabont, which led to The Walking Dead, is that, in a way, the most important relationship of your career? Or do you not think that way? Um, I don't. I hadn't really thought of that because every relationship that I have has been organic. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would say, Frank, in regards to the fact that he was the one that said, okay, you should direct an episode. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't have to audition for it or... Or he just said, you know, you're ready. I had directed second unit for him on The Mist, and I had shot a short film, and I'd done a l- So I think he was kind of like, you're there. You should do this. Mm. And I remember him saying, because after the first season of Walking Dead, and I'd done second unit, I had said, yeah, Vampire Diaries called, and they want me to come and shoot a couple days with them. And he said, listen, any opportunity you have to get behind the camera will make you a better director. Mm. So... And I told him that. He didn't remember that either. He didn't <laughs> but it's it's interesting and it's it's fun for me. Be, but every relationship I have is different. You know, I mean, I feel like with like with Robert Rodriguez, I feel like I've grown alongside of him as a filmmaker. Like as he's, you know, he was the first guy to do a 3D movie in a long time. He was the first guy to do all green screen. He yeah. was really a, a pioneer at that time. So I feel like I'm kind of like a sponge where I get something different from each of these directors and that informs me as to the kind of artist that I want to be. Sure. So I don't know if I would I don't know if I would be able to say, "Oh, well, this guy influenced this part of my career and this guy influenced this part of my career." I don't, mm. I don't know if I could do that. Sure. But in terms of being there, you know, I th- I think I think 10 or 15 years from now when I, when I start to slow down, if I start to slow down, I will be able to sit back and look at these milestones in my career and look at working on the Green Mile and looking at Sin City and looking at Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and, mm. you know, wishing that I had that Matrix plug that I could download those experiences <laughs> to other people because th- they were fascinating and, and the experiences that I've had have really shaped me into the filmmaker that I am and I'm mm. grateful. 
I've I've been lucky enough to see you uh, in, in work on your workshop once on the, the Settler Mist that was there for, for mm-hmm. a few days, and you you did something. I don't know whether this is something you do all the time, but you played old black and white horror movies mm-hmm. in the background. Is that something you still do? And I don't do it as often because I don't have time. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's all about inspiration, you know. And for me, if you walk into my office, I was just telling someone this. If you walk into my office in Los Angeles, I have on the one wall I have. Paintings from Famous Monsters magazine. Mm-hmm. I have prints of Gogo's paintings on one side. Wow. I have a full-size replica of Linda Blair from The Exorcist <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> and then on the other side, I have Robbie the Robot. Uh, and then behind me is my Walking Dead wall with like Herschel's head and Tyrese's yeah. head and my head. <laughs> but then you look through the room and there's a Predator over here. And I have uh, Ben Gardner's head from Jaws. Jeez. Sitting on it, so so you walk through and I, you really think about it, and you go, oh well, this is like opening Greg Nicotero's skull and looking at what he would want to have surrounding him hmm. in this environment to keep him turned on and and you know imaginative and and I love that it just keeps going. You know, it's like I don't, I, I never feel like I'm slowing down, and hmm. I don't feel like. Our creative process is slowing down. I just and then the last thing for you, I'll let you go because yeah. I know you got to go. But uh, you talk about inspirations and you're looking for you know old black and white movies. But these days, what's the last modern movie that really inspired you? Oh, modern in terms of how long ago? <laughs> I was going to say color, but that well, might listen, be. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead and Jaws are the two uh, for sure that that inspired me because those movies. Um, made me sit up number one with Jaws and mm. really want to dig into the how did they do that aspect. Yeah. And then with Dawn of the Dead, um, it sort of put it in my own backyard. Yeah. And and somehow or another I I found myself becoming friends with Tom Savini and then with George and the idea that I had a hobby and the hobby I was able to translate that into uh, into a job. And listen, if George hadn't, like I said, if George hadn't lived in Pittsburgh, I probably wouldn't be here. You'd be uh, Dr. Nicotero I would right be, now. I would, I would be taking your kidney out uh, <laughs> and probably, you know, would be watching The walk, you know, the, watching the Walking Dead on, you know, on a monitor someplace. You know? So I, I just, I feel like I've had this, this dream experience that, that I get to share. And now with Walking Dead... You know, I'm not an on-camera guy. I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. Yeah. But the fact that I get recognized by fans is is exciting for me because it's my passion for the show that they respond to, and it's my the work that that that, that we do on the show that people respond to, and I and I I love that because that's how it all starts. It all starts with you becoming a fan and reading magazines and watching and learning everything you can learn about it. And then those people become Guillermo del Toro or Alex Aja or Frank Darabont, you know. I always love this analogy that we're all separated at birth. And I used to tease Frank and say, do you have a scar right here? Because I have a scar here. And I think maybe we were brothers when we were younger. But, it, you know, all Famous Monsters magazine really was the thing that sort of created all of us. And... It was just, you know, it's like the line from Indiana Jones. It's just a nudge to, to push you into 
the darkness alongside me, that Belloc says. Yes. Um, and I feel like that's the way we all are, you know. Yeah. A little nudge pushed me into special effects makeup and a nudge uh-huh. pushed Rodriguez into directing and yeah. pushed Darabon into writing and directing and and Guillermo del Toro and Alex Aja and all these guys. I feel like we're all like, we all crash landed on a planet on the same, from the same planet here. <laughs> and then we're all sent out like as an arc. Um, I love that analogy. Damn, That's we great. make that movie. Run with that. Run with yeah. that. Amazing. Greg, uh, when you come back from season six, that's, I spent more time chatting because I could talk to you all day. Brilliant, love Greg, that. thank you, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.